Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, I want to break down a few reasons why not to panic about the Timberwolves yet. As it turns out, no, none of the Wolves' best players are actually playing as well as they usually play. I'll run through a few numbers for the Wolves' best players to explain why I believe that that's the case. Plus, we'll preview Wolves' magic on Wednesday night. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day and happy Timberwolves game day after a couple Days with no Wolves games, it'll be good to get back at it tonight. A big thank you, first of all, for making Locked on Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, Locked on Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also find it on the Locked on Sports Minnesota app, and that can be found on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's absolutely free. Download the new Locked On Sports Minnesota app today at Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You'll get this show, Locked On Vikings, Locked On Golden Gophers, Locked On Twins, Locked On Wild. Every single Minnesota Locked On show you can get on your Roku or Amazon Fire TV. Again, that's the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves and my account, which is at BBeacon, and that's with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Okay. Wolves play tonight. They take on the Orlando Magic, uh, currently 4-10. and 10. They lost on Monday. I want to preview that game at the end of the show today. Um, so we'll get to that matchup. There's some things that certainly will work in the Wolves' favor, playing a team that is supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league, but also a couple of matchup-related things that I wouldn't say they concern me, but they're things to look out for as the Wolves take on the Magic Wednesday, not to mention the fact that the Wolves tend to struggle in Orlando. Um it just seems like they always have a tough time. The Magic are typically bad. The Wolves, you know, even going back, I mean, go back to the Tibbs years and the Wolves struggled to win in Orlando then too. So at any rate, we'll get to that later. First of all, I want to talk about something that it actually came up on Monday. I was on the Lockdown NBA show with Jackson Gatlin, who's also the host of Lockdown Rockets. And we had the conversation actually Sunday evening. We recorded after the Wolves won in Cleveland and it was one of the last questions that he asked me on the show. You can go listen to the segment on Monday's Lockdown NBA show. Um, the way Jackson does it on Mondays is he talks to three different hosts. He gets kind of, you know, eight to 10 minutes on each team uh, that the host on the, on three different teams, right? So he has the host for each team's show on. So obviously we spent a segment talking about the Wolves, but I also, but one of the questions he asked me towards the end was, it was something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing the exact question, like, what about the Wolves so far this season do you feel like most encouraged about, right? Like what's something that you could point to to say like, hey, this team's going to be better than they are right now? And I gave him what was a pretty simple answer. And it just it just was it was off the cuff. I didn't know he was going to ask me that question. It, it, it was the most obvious thing to me. And then I thought more about it. And I realized like, hey, I, I was I was right. But there's like a lot of evidence to back this up, right? So the my answer to that question is, well, none of their best players have played anywhere near to as near as well as they typically play, or maybe put a slightly better way, more concisely. Through 14 games, the Wolves' best four players are basically playing the worst 
seasons of their career to date through just 14 games. And with some exceptions, but and I'll throw a few numbers out here in a minute to, to support that claim. But it's really kind of fascinating if you think about it. And I'll, I'll set up the straw man here quick and knock it down, the, the argument against my argument, which is, well, what if, what if this is going to be each of their, you know, we play this thing out 82 games and it's the worst season of Cat's career, the worst season of Delo's career. Like, that's possible, I guess, right? It could be that the fit is just so terrible if this collection of players that these guys will all have the worst seasons of their career. I guess that's possible. However, a lot of things have to go right, or I guess wrong in this case, for that to be the case. You'd have to have a terrible coaching staff. I don't think that's true. I think Chris Fitch is a very good coach. You'd have to have guys that genuinely don't like each other, even though the vibe's been weird around the team. I don't think that's a thing. And you have to have guys that don't have, generally, a, a clear track record of success or are certainly past their primes. And none of these guys is past their prime. You know, Rudy's 30 but, I mean, Cat turned 27 on Tuesday, actually. He just turned 27. D'Lo, I believe, is 28. Like, that's not—we're not there, right? So, like, logically, it doesn't—it wouldn't really make sense. So, I would I would come at this from the perspective of it's pretty unlikely that 2022-2023 is going to be the worst season of the career, uh, worst season in the career of, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. I, I think that's pretty unlikely to be the case. So let's look at some of the numbers. Through 14 games, Carl Anthony Towns is averaging, this would be tied for his least points per game in his career if you take out his rookie season. He's averaging just 21.3 points per game. This would be his least rebounds per game, and it is his lowest rebound rate of any season of his career. And it's actually, it's gone down each of the last three seasons. It was just 15.7% last year. We, you know, that, that was much discussed. We covered that on the show quite a bit. A lot of that was because defensively, he was being asked to be on the perimeter more in the blitzy and the high wall pick and roll scheme. So he just wasn't around the basket as much to rebound. This year, the thought was it could come down because Rudy is the league's best defensive rebounder and um, you know he's on the same team. I actually thought perhaps Towns' rebound number could go up because he's going to be playing the four more often. He's not going to be rebounding directly against five, so you're going to be tied up with Rudy. But as of through 14 games, it's still a career-low rebound rate for Cat, down from 15.7% last year to 146 so far this year, which, by the way, that's down from 17% two seasons ago, so it's a significant downturn. His shooting, though, to me, is the biggest outlier. He's shooting just from the floor. He's 51.5%, which is lower than last year, but would actually be higher than the two seasons prior to that. Remember, after his second All-Star season back before COVID, he had a couple rough seasons where there were a lot of injuries, obviously COVID itself, um, and Cat's overall shooting percentage came down a little bit. But his three-point shooting percentage right now would be tied with uh, the last time he shot under 38 essentially 39% from three was 2016-17. So seven years ago, uh, six years ago, second season in the league, he shot 36.7% for three. This would be tied with that number. He's been over 40% in four of the last five seasons. So that's not likely to stay the case. The three-point shooting rate is up over last year, but still down to where it was the two seasons prior to that. Um, so, like the the rate's probably going to come up. The percentage is certainly going to come up. He is shooting free throws at a better percentage than he has throughout his career. However, the free throw rate is not where it needs to be. It's actually the lowest free throw rate, again, since his second season in the league. We're talking 16, 17, six years ago when he was 21 years old. 
he had a free throw rate lower than it is right now every year since then. So the ensuing five seasons, he's had a higher free throw rate than he does currently, a higher three-point percentage than he does currently, a higher rebound rate than he does currently. Uh, this That was the last season he averaged 21.3 points per game. So, he, you know, the next five seasons, the scoring average was higher. Uh, the only thing that's flipped is the assist rate's gone up. And I was actually really surprised when I was looking through town stats that his turnover rate's actually way up, by far the highest rate of his career. And I actually expected that to be a little bit lower because I feel like he's 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 made less silly passes. We talked I talked on the show the other day. I don't think we've seen a single one of the underhanded softball pitch, you know, from from the low post on one side to the opposite corner, essentially a softball skip pass instead of like an actual, you know, overhead skip pass. I don't think we've seen that yet this year. And that was a move he pulled one and a half times a game, it felt like last season. Um and also, I think that the absurd offensive fouls have at least been mitigated somewhat. But at any rate, the turnover rate's higher, the assist rate's higher, which is, you know, the uh, the latter is a good thing, of course. But um, the free throw rate will come up. The three-point percentage will come up. The rebound rate, it may still be lower than where it typically has been, but I think it's likely to come up. Um, so all that to say, Cat is just not playing as well as we can expect him to play, right? Um those numbers are all going to stabilize. He's got a, you know, he's a three-time All-Star, two-time member of the All-NBA third team. He's in the prime of his career. We can expect those numbers to improve. I don't think that's crazy to say at all. I want to take a look at Rudy, D'Lo, and Ant as well before we get to the Wolves Magic preview. So we're going to do all that here next. First, though, I want to tell you that today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to us by our brand new friends at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, the UK, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. You can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life as well. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and inclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Today's show is also presented to you by Built Bar. Let's pause the pod for a second here. Okay, we're paused now, right? Perfect. Because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and coconut brownie topper. White chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola bar. So it's more filling and still insanely tasty. Plus candy cane brownie puffs. Built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. And I mean that 100%. They're absolutely delicious. I had one today. I had mud pie today, and it was fantastic. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. In fact, just 130 calories in many bars. Just sink your teeth into that first bite. It'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you tried these new Built flavors. Don't let that time be... Anytime moving forward, you have to have built now. The magical, wonderful time afterwards. You'll probably be wondering which new flavor is my favorite. An unanswerable question to say the least. They're all unbelievable and they're all different. So you can order a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. That's the move. I love Built Bar and I still do that even though I have favorite flavors just to get a variety in there. Built, you gotta try this. Get 15% off your order right now 
by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen today. Now, for your second listen, check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. So we talked about Cat and all the numbers that will improve because they just have to. He's a better player than what he's done so far this year. And by the way, side note, He's been about the most consistent Timberwolves player this season, honestly. Um, so I spent, you know, however many minutes talking about how Cat's having the worst season of his career statistically. I mean, like, what does that say about the Wolves as a whole? And yet they're still six and eight, right? They're six and eight. They played a, you know, a pretty up and down schedule, but it's been a better schedule than we thought it would be to start the season. So there's plenty to still not be too concerned about. Speaking of, let's talk about Rudy Gobert. So Rudy's still the best defensive rebounder in the league. He's leading the league in rebounds per game. One of the best total rebound rates, defensive rebound rates in the league. However, there's some weird stuff going on with Rudy too. Let's start with his shooting percentage. So Rudy has led the league in field goal percentage three out of the last four seasons. And uh, like he doesn't shoot the ball beyond two or three feet, generally speaking, although he's expanded his range for some reason a little bit this year. And by expanded his range, I just mean where he's willing to take shots, not where he should be taking shots. Um, he's 61.6% from the field. By all accounts, that's a good number, but when you compare it to the rest of his career, that would be his lowest field goal percentage since his first full season as a starter back in 2015-16. So we're now talking seven years ago. He's been 62% or greater every single season. In fact, he's been 66% or greater in six out of the last seven seasons. Excuse me, five out of the last six seasons, which is nuts. So he's five points below where he's been for five of the last six seasons, 61.6%, which is essentially almost an extra make per game, um, pretty close to it. When he shot 67% from the field a few years ago, he he may average six makes per game. He's averaging 5.1 now. So nearly another shot per game, which is another two points on his average, another two points for the Wolves, which marries up with the fact he's only averaging 14 points per game, which would be his lowest mark in, in five years and tied for his... Uh, lowest mark in six years, um, or sorry, second lowest mark in six years. He averaged 14 points per game six years ago, 13 and a half, five years ago. But since then, he's been you know, 14 and a half to 16 points per game. So it's the field goal percentage. He's just missing some of these bunnies and shooting the ball a little further from the rim occasionally as well. That's weird. The weirder one is the block rate. By far, this is the lowest block rate to date through 14 games, or I guess 12 games that Rudy's played in, of his career. he had a he, He's currently 4.4% block rate. He had a 4.8% block rate in his first All-Star season back in the COVID-shortened year, the first COVID-shortened year. Um, he was 4.8%, but he was 7% a couple of years ago. He's been 5.7% or greater every single other year of his career. He's had block rates of 7% or higher three times in his career. He's currently at 4.4% which is, that's a pretty big difference. I mean, like if you want to talk about it in terms of blocks per game, which isn't the best way to measure it, but maybe helps with context. He's never been below, except for his rookie season when he played 10 minutes a game, only played half the season off the bench. Every other season, he's been at least two blocks per game. He's currently averaging 1.6 blocks per game. 
I think it's pretty unlikely that that's where Rudy finishes the season, right? The blocks are going to come up. The field goal percentage is going to come up and therefore the points per game are going to come up. The rebound rate, I mean, like last year's was absurdly high. Um, so, I mean, he's still 21.5% this year, which would be his worst mark in six seasons. Um, but it's down from his 25% last season. His defensive rebound rate would be also be his lowest mark in six seasons. So those numbers are like, you know, they're less out of whack, but they're likely to come up as well. So Kat and Rudy, plenty of things to point out and say, hey, these things will improve over the next couple of seasons or uh, next several weeks, I should say. D'Angelo Russell, I feel like we had this conversation throughout last year or at least the first part of last season. And we saw overall, I thought, D'Lo, you could argue last season D'Angelo Russell was every bit as good as he was in his rookie, excuse me, all-star campaign in Brooklyn back in 18-19. But the shooting percentage was still down, right? He was 38.7% two years ago in a Wolves uniform. His first season in Minnesota, which he split with Golden State, he was just under 37%. His all-star season in Brooklyn, he was just under 37% for three. Last year, he dipped to 34%, which was his worst mark since his third season in the league uh, four years prior. This season, he's just 32.9% from three, which is nuts. Also, his three-point rate is down too. He's shooting less threes, and he's making... um, he's making a lot less of them. He's almost six points worse than he was two seasons ago. He's a full point worse than he was last year shooting threes. I think that three-point percentage is going to come up for D'Lo. He looked much more comfortable, of course, on Sunday in Cleveland, scored 30, had 15 in the first quarter, finished strong. But this would be his lowest three-point percentage since 2018. His points per game, his just scoring in general, as, as, as kind of cloudy as the points per game stat is, For whatever it's worth, this would be his lowest points per game since his rookie season. 14.4 points per game. He hasn't been below 15.5 points per game since he was a rookie with the LA Lakers and played with Kobe Bryant. That's how long ago we're talking. Seven years ago. And of course, part of the reason the scoring is down is the usage rate is down. This actually would be his lowest usage rate ever, including his rookie season, which is kind of crazy. Um, but that's to be expected given the offense he's playing and he's playing with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and guys who want to need the ball more frequently than a lot of the teams he's played on, you know, uh, really throughout his career, whether, whether it was at the Lakers, the Nets, the Warriors or Minnesota. His assist rate also would be his lowest since his LA years. The lowest assist rate currently that he's had since he was with the Lakers in 2017 and the highest turnover rate of his career. So low usage, low assist rate, high turnover rate. I'm not saying all that's going to normalize for him because again, this is a loaded lineup. D'Lo's trying to find his role in this whole thing. So that it could still be kind of murky there, right? Like there could still be some issues, but I don't think this will be his worst shooting season, his worst passing season, um, his his worst season in terms of turnovers. Like, I don't think that that's where we're going to be here. He's, I said earlier, he's 28. D'Lo's actually still only 26. He doesn't turn 27 until February. So I was I was essentially a year and a half off on his age. Um, Like, like I don't, I, I don't think there's any way. This is his worst season in all those categories. I think that's pretty unlikely. So, uh, briefly with Ant, I'm not, you know, there's less track record for Ant to to talk about and his shooting has been so up and down for a while. He was shooting the ball great this year from three. Now it's down. He's shooting less threes, shooting a little more from the mid range. He's getting to the line a little more frequently, but he's not making his free throws. Ant's had a weird season so far. I'm not ready to plant my flag on any of his stats at, at being 
better or worse than where you'd expect them to be. But D'Lo, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns are all going to be much better than they're playing right now in each of those categories. For Cat, it's primarily three-point shooting. Um, I, I think we'll see the rebounding come up a little. We'll see the scoring come up a little. We'll see that um, all, all those things will kind of normalize. With Rudy, the block rate will come up, the field goal percentage will come up, and therefore the points per game will come up. And with D'Lo, it's shooting, but it's also he won't turn the ball over as much. He'll get more assists. So much of this is directly related to the, the lack of synergy the team's playing with. And all that stuff, given time, given you know the opportunity to play together more frequently, I think that stuff is going to improve. Um, so what I said on Sunday, bringing this back full circle with Jackson or on Monday's show I stand, like, it makes a ton of sense. All these guys are playing arguably their worst, you know, three of their best four players are playing their worst season to this point in the NBA. They're all guys with six, seven, eight years of NBA experience. That's not going to be the case when you look up in January. It just won't be. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from basketball to football to soccer and esports, they've got it all at betonline.net. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night football, the Packers and Titans be a fantastic, it should be a fantastic game. The Packers are back on track, hopefully, after Sunday. Um, and uh, it'll be an interesting uh, matchup to be sure. Go check out betonline.net to get the line for that game. We also get into college football again over the weekend. And uh, kind of the tail end of the last couple regular season weeks of college football as we get into Thanksgiving. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at Bet Online. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's talk Wolves magic. So the Timberwolves take on the Orlando magic on Wednesday night in Orlando. I mentioned off the top of the show, the Wolves always seem to struggle in Orlando. I I don't know why that is. Orlando's pretty much been terrible over the last decade, say for a couple surprise, you know, the bubble season and and last year they were supposed to be better, but the Jonathan Isaac injury, among other things, were were problems. Last Actually, geez, I don't know. That was two years ago now. Um, All that to say, the Wolves seem to struggle in Orlando for whatever reason that is. Orlando may or may not have Paolo Bancaro. He's listed as questionable. He's missed the last three games. I believe it's an ankle. Um, I hope Bancaro plays. I'd like to watch him play against the Wolves. And, uh, you know, the Wolves could use whatever motivation that may or may not provide, you know, watching uh, the top draft pick uh, on or, or knowing that they're going against the top draft pick. But if Bancaro doesn't play, I mean, they won two games without him. They they had won a couple in a row until they lost on Monday to Charlotte, who, by the way, the Hornets had lost eight straight. So Charlotte loses of eight straight, beats Orlando minus Bancaro. So if Bancaro doesn't play Wednesday, this is a team that certainly the Wolves should defeat. Um, however, a couple things I'd be a little concerned about. I mentioned this on Tuesday's show as part of a bigger conversation, not specific to this matchup, but I use Orlando as an example. Defensive rebound rate, that's something the Wolves continue to really struggle with. It's actually one of Orlando's strongest uh, strong points. They are sixth in defensive rebound rate league-wide. They're actually higher before their game on Monday. I think they were third when I when I pulled these numbers before, but they're sixth currently in defensive rebound rate, eighth, by the way, in offensive rebound rate. 
They've got, um, let's see, what was the stat? It was in terms of defensive rebounders, they've got four guys, 20% or higher defensive rebound rate. And they've got uh, five guys, essentially, that are 15% or greater. You look at the Wolves roster, uh, it's not quite that pretty. The Wolves have two guys, if you take out Nate Knight, who's only played in five games, two guys above 20% of defensive rebound rate and only three above 15%. And the uh, the Magic had, what did I say, five over 15%. The Magic, again, are six in defensive rebound rate league-wide. The Wolves are 28th. They're now bottom three in defensive rebound rate. The Wolves need to rebound all five. We've talked a lot about this. Chris Finch has talked a lot about this. The no man's land rebounds, they improved on Sunday in Cleveland as the game wore on. I think it got better, but it's it's Ant, uh, although he's done a little better this year rebounding the ball. It's Torian Prince. It's um, Jordan McLaughlin's done okay for his size and position. D'Lo, Jade McDaniels, Ant. Nope. D'Lo, Jade McDaniels, Torian Prince, Bryn Forbes are probably the biggest ones that need to pull their weight a little better. I think McLaughlin's okay. Like I said, Noel's actually a decent rebounder for his size. Um, but the Wolves need those guys to step up. Nas Reed, by the way, not on the injury report. He practiced on Tuesday. So expect him to be available. No idea. Uh, you know, it seems, I guess if he's healthy, there shouldn't be any sort of restriction, assuming he's in plain shape after missing the last week. But he was playing so well before he he got ill that you would expect him to see some minutes here. He's got to rebound the ball a little bit better. That's always been my biggest concern with him is his, I mean, his total rebound rate is 11% and he plays, I guess he plays a lot less center this year, but he's a big, right? He's supposed to be a big, he's got to board board a little bit better. I mean, Cat and Rudy are both, you know, Rudy's 21%, Cat's 15% rebound rate. Nas is about 11% and that's got to tick upwards a little bit. So rebounding is the number one key to this game. If you allow Orlando, who I talked about defensive rebound rate, but of course the Wolves' defensive rebound rate is 28th, Orlando's offensive rebound rate is 8th. So you're going to have to deal with Bull Bull. You're going to have to deal with um, uh, Mobamba. You're going to have to deal with Wendell Carter Jr., Chumo, Kiki. These guys are all plus offensive rebounders. They're all 7% or greater in terms of their offensive rebound rate. That's going to be a challenge for the Timberwolves. That's that's the number one thing with this game is 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 rebounding. The other thing is the Magic gets to the free throw line a ton. The Wolves, uh, the Magic are sixth in free throw attempts per game. They're sixth in free throw rate um, offensively. And the Wolves actually this year have done a pretty good job at defending without fouling. I take that back. That's not true. They've fouled a lot, but they actually haven't given up that many free throws. And, and I don't know how it's going to even out. I worry a little bit based on last year's track record of opponent free throw rate being really high, and also the fact they're still 26th in fouls per game. They're committing more than 22 fouls per game, which is not good. Um, I worry a little bit that the the lower free throw rate, which is currently ninth best in the league, that that's a little fluky. The Wolves are committing so many fouls that eventually that's going to catch up. You're going to end up with more bonus situations for opponents um, and eventually more shooting fouls and, and things of that nature. So it's a little fluky, but if the Wolves could hold off, I mean, the Magic... They're not a great offensive team, right? They rely a lot on these second chance points. They rely on getting to the free throw line. They're 22nd in offensive rating. Don't give them the second chance points and don't foul them. And the Wolves, again, to this point in the season, have done a good job, a decent job of keeping opponents off the free throw line. That's a huge deal when you're playing a team that's so mediocre offensively like Orlando is. Um, you know, Cole Anthony's still out, especially if Bancaro doesn't play. Like, there's not a ton of offensive talent here that really scares you. Wendell Carter's an effective offensive player. RJ Hampton, of course, is is a strong offensive player. But, um, like, that's kind of it. 
right? This is a team that's it's four and ten. They lost to Charlotte on Monday. Um, the Wolves should go into Orlando and win. Protect the glass. Protect the paint along with that. You know, avoid those second chance opportunities for Orlando. Keep them off the free throw line. Execute your offense like you did against Cleveland on Sunday. Offensively, the Wolves were very good in Cleveland. Do all those things. Limit your turnovers, and the Wolves should leave Orlando with a win, which is really uh, will be much needed because, I mean, peeking ahead, things aren't getting easier, right? Like this is this is the easier game on the schedule. They go to Philadelphia on Friday, and of course, that's not going to be easy. And then you look past Philadelphia. Let's see who's. I know the next game's not easy either. So at Philly, excuse me, Saturday at Philly, and then Monday at home for Miami. Then they go right back out on the road. So one game homestand, and then you go back out on the road after Miami Monday at Indiana Wednesday at Charlotte Friday. So more winnable games, but these are road games, um, Indiana and Charlotte. And then you come back home for another one game. Like the, it's a weird kind of. They've had so many home games early in the season. Then you go road, road, home, road, road, home road, three-game homestand, then a five-game road trip mid-December. So it's a weird schedule upcoming. Get a win in Orlando to get the record to seven and eight with a shot to pull the 500 against Philly on Friday would be huge. Um, and here's hoping the Wolves can do that. Of course, we'll go live, myself and Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North, about 45 minutes following the game on Wednesday. So this is a, in Orlando, it's a 6 p.m. tip, which means we'll go live, you know, say the game ends around 8.30, roughly 9.15 you can find that on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to that channel. And then after the fact, we'll post the live postcast audio on all the Lockdown Wolves audio channels. So if you can't watch it live, go ahead and listen to it after the fact. We'll do a full post game pod that we'll post early on Thursday morning as well. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And a reminder that for your second listen, you can go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. Catch up on the biggest stories of the day in sports, plus get instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Lockdown Sports Today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.